Welcome back to Lost in Rosha, the ultimate journey through the Stormlight Archive. I'm Christian. And I'm Jimmy. Today we are diving into chapters 14 and 15 of The Way of Kings. And as always, full spoilers ahead for all of the Stormlight Archive. So if you haven't finished your first read through, we'll see you in a little bit. For everyone else, welcome back. We are happy to have you. Uh, we are getting into some Kaladin, Adolin, Dalinar stuff this week. Uh, we also have another weekly poll, which we've been doing. It has been a lot of fun. We're off of the road trip. Uh, so we are into totally new territory. Uh, last week, we kind of asked a series-wide question about what was the best Sander Lanch. Uh, but this week, we went with something just a little bit different. But before I get into all that, Christian, how are you, my friend? I'm great. You know why, Jimmy? Because we're in the double digits, dude. Double Episode digits. 10. We're right, officially that, a real podcast. A real podcast. Most podcasts don't make it to episode, I think it's six. And I'll tell you what, most podcasts don't see the amount of downloads we get. Let me tell you <laughs> what, this show is taking off. This is like a rocket ship, you know, to the moon. To, to the moon. With Kaladin. We'll wink past him as we fly. Yes, and, and uh, this is a perfect time for us to announce our Kaladin crypto. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Calcoin. Calcoin. Get it at dollar sign cal i don't know <laughs> oh i feel like God. i need a scam you just is this is this so, so last week was the cult and now we're doing what like a pyramid scheme i'm just trying week? to figure out where my downfall comes from you know what i mean like as as a content creator mm. i've always looked forward to posting the apology video just like i'm sorry my safe <laughs> hand was not covered at the convention yes um we do like what's a good so like in in a song of ice and fire, there was the walk of shame. What's the Roshar equivalent? Like, what's the the shameful? <sighs> Probably walking naked in a in a chasm during a storm. I would imagine. <laughs> Just right? Sounds like another day at the shattered plains. That to sounds me. like a Tuesday night for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how have you been this week? I'm doing all right. You know, it's it's been a, a good week here. It hasn't been as as hot, which is nice. Uh, so I've been able to actually get outside and stuff, but you know, doing a lot of jujitsu, doing a lot of working out, getting my mind right, trying to get ready for that winter bulk that's coming up. Uh, but I am sore. I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to run with a bridge on your back. Like I kind of want to try oh. it. This, um, this chapter made me want to do like the bridge fall workout. Yes, what are we doing, bro? We've long speculated about me. <laughs> we actually have. I remember this. Flying across ago. the world to you and us yeah. recording a bridge for workout video. We've talked about it many times. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to keep up with your with your I mean, mate, you're a wrestler. How do I how do I even compete? Well, here's the thing. You know, I, I, do, I, I the, these muscles are, are they're, they're like a show car. You know, they're not meant to be mm. treaded on. You know, we're not <laughs> we're not driving it every day. You know, it's 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 a model. You know, you stick on the uh -huh. shelf, you put it in the garage, you show people when they come over, but you don't, you don't put the rubber to the road very often. So uh, I have a feeling I would gas out in about 30 seconds, uh, <laughs> carrying a amen. bridge and I would probably break my knees. Let's just, uh, I mean, they do call me Christian Kremling. So maybe I've got <laughs> some powers up my sleeve, some Kremlings up my sleeve that will help me out. It's a shame, man. We've got to take it for a drive. You can't just be a, a show car. Come on, mate. You, you're going to be at the front of the bridge or, or like at the or at the back, I don't know. Where's I the think most I would want to be at the front because really? then I could blame everyone in the back for not carrying their weight, so I could really like offset the blame whenever we fail. Wow. You know, you're really you're not the best uh, bridge member, are you? No, uh, I no. If Kaladin came into my bunker and told me to get out of my bed and we're going to start getting up early <laughs> as we do bridge runs, I would kick him in 
in the face. And All I'd right, be like, look, yeah, I'm trying to sleep here, bro. <laughs> I've got an idea. All right. I get my bridge crew together. You get your bridge crew. We do a bridge run race. Okay. Um, the last one to the chasm has to fork out the cash for leather bound. Ooh, I like when there's stakes on the line. Now that's something I can yeah. get a little bit motivated. Yeah, mate. And because I'm behind, you owe me the words of Radiance one too, if I win. Yeah, hey, I'm that's gonna... coming out soon, right? Yeah. So every 10 year anniversary is uh is the plan. But it's uh apparently it's a little delayed. Yeah, I think I read early 2024, like spring 2024 mm-hmm. is when they'll be taking those um those orders. And I think last time it shipped by the fall but i'm not going to get my hopes up i would expect almost a year turnaround a lot of these specialty printers are backed up but sanderson i assume has an express pass uh to get whatever (laughs) he wants printed because he's probably keeping a lot of the uh printers in business at this point so we'll see i'm i i I will say this i'm very excited for that leather bound like the fact that at the end of my life i may live long enough (laughs) to (laughs) to collect all 10 and leather bound and then pass away like a week after i have them all i'm really excited (laughs) about that just uh with a single tear rolling down your eye (laughs) we did it (laughs) have you read your wave king's leather bound or does it just sit on the shelf it it just sits on the shelf just a show car it even tells you that it's not meant for like heavy reading um so i I say that yeah yeah it's not meant to be like cracked open and poured over it's it's not that you know again it's kind of a show car in that regard and Mm. i do flip it open from time to time like every few weeks especially now that we're doing this and just kind of flip through it um but yeah i i'm reading i have a big floppy trade paperback i got (laughs) i have a i have three copies of the wave kings and i'm about to get a fourth because i'm getting a first edition hardcover sent to me that's awesome I might need to offload my old like fifth edition hardcover that I have. You know what I love watching? I love watching those um, museums crack open like the really old, like thousand year old books and they put them between like two pillows and they're like, you know, a few feet long and they just like really turn the pages slowly. I want that copy of the way of Kings. Every time the way of Kings is mentioned in the text, I always think of it like that. (laughs) Yeah. Like a glorious, huge Mm -hmm. tome. That's what I want. And then it's just filled with wits, bad jokes. Oh, there's there's a really bad Ooh. one in, the, in this section. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't defend it. I read that one and I was like, oh. I sat there and stared at it for like 30 seconds. I was like, do I even <laughs> want to talk about this on the podcast? I'm like, so bad. Today I learned what a repressed memory was because I <laughs> was like, I did not have zero memory of this joke. Uh, you know, here's the thing. People give Sanderson's humor a lot of grief, and I and I I can respect a dad joke from time to time, but mm. like there there's been a lot of them that haven't landed with me. But I've never felt like, at least in Stormlight, I never felt like it was overbearing. But no, I'm like, man, <laughs> I hope that this doesn't continue. And I just like turned a blind eye to it back in the day. It was just like, shocking to me, right? Like, first off, I, Sanderson saying it, it <laughs> in my head is just like doesn't work. It it like. I don't know. I don't know, man. I read it. I was like, does this work verbally? Or is it just like, because I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because like, you know what? I'm starting to come around to storm you and storm off. Especially it's, Michael it's Kramer. It's like, storm off. I could yeah. see that. It still makes me laugh every time I read it. <laughs> yeah. Storm you, man. You know, I, every time storm I'm just off, like, dude. like, okay, it, it's, we're, we're in Roshar. It's uh, like you're back in um, elementary or primary school. And it's yeah. like, the, you can't, yeah, you can't swear. 
So you're like, oh, crickets. <laughs> Fiddlesticks. Yeah. Crumbs. Um, Kremlin. Why isn't Kremlin a swear word? Hey, don't be insulting the Kremlings. They're watching you. Hey, man, I'm part of the hive mind. You're I'm, I'm in with the Kremlings. They're going to help me with my bridge run. <laughs> anyway, mate, before this goes off the rails, shall Too we late. take a peek at the um, weekly bowl? Yes, we should. Yes. So this week, as as Jimmy said, the road trip's over. I kind of miss it. But this week, which character, which character's flashback sequence are you most keen to, to read in book six to ten? We know the identities of the characters that will be the flashback POV characters in these books. So we have Yasna, Renarin, Lift, Ash, and um, Tarn, which are both heralds. So I lumped them together because I can only do four options. And they won with a resounding 48%. Did this shock you, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, it did shock me. I feel like I'm all, I'm shocked every week because maybe I'm not <laughs> as tapped in as I think I am to, to yeah. the audience. But uh, 48%, it seems like most of our polls, the winner is like 48 to 55, like 45 mm. to 55%. Like it's always a pretty dominant victory for the, for the winner, which I think is interesting. Um, but you know, 2,600 votes, about 1,300 of those went to the Heralds. I thought Yasna would be the clear winner, which she is the clear second place. Uh, yeah. But I really thought Yasna was going to end up being uh, number one by a, a long shot. Yeah. I mean, this. I feel like we attract the more hardcore Stormlight fans, right? And I suppose the more hardcore Stormlight fans are like the Heralds, clearly the Heralds, because that's like the deepest lore. Like mm-hmm. they, it's not just their backstory; it's Roshar's backstory. It's part of yeah. the Cosmere, you know. Um, Yasna, out of like our regular characters, so to speak, won by a mile. So in a sense, you know, she kind of still does win. Renara in seventeen percent, Lift six percent, <laughs> perhaps our lowest result in any poll. Yeah, that like, didn't shock me at all. Did that make you happy? Did yeah, so what? I mean, I I've always said I reserved the fact that Lyft could become an like could become a favorite of mine, especially like post time skipped. Like mm-hmm. there's a chance that maybe Lyft grows up a little bit or something, or maybe she can't. Who knows? But I I think that there's a chance Lyft could grow on me in time. I don't I don't enjoy her character as is today, <clears throat> but it could grow. And then Renarin, very very much a character that I need to pay attention to on the reread because I feel like I don't remember enough of Renarin to to have a say but i i figured lift would be last and yasna would be number one and then i figured renara would probably be third yeah. uh and i thought the heralds would be number two so so one of the things i was thinking about is the fact that the heralds are supposed to be a little bit more of a focus in the second half of the series right yeah i think that maybe that also is like we know we're going to get it so sanderson has put some like kind of uh weight to it hmm. so we know big things are going to come from those flashbacks yeah, it's guaranteed with the Heralds. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's what I started to think of, right? Because it's going to be a 10 to 15 year in world time jump, I believe, mm-hmm. between books five and six. So I thought of like, because Lyft's flashback sequences, obviously she's, she, we know she's made some sort of deal with the Night Watcher. Um, so that is going to be interesting to look at. But what I'm also thinking about is, so we're going to see her a whole lot older. And a whole lot more developed mentally. And I wonder if we get almost like the in-between parts in her flashback. 
Like hmm. what, what do those 10 to 15 years look like? And maybe she'll be like our bridge between pre and post time skip Rosha. Which a bridge you say? Oh, yeah. Just dropping it whenever I can. But you know what I mean? Like I think she could be a bit, like I think, you know, 6%, a bit disrespectful, but <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm always the lift defender. I really am. Yeah. You think and, she's awesome. Oh, that's the word, isn't it? Awesome. <laughs> I, I like what you're saying, though. I think she yeah. could be our lens into the time skip. I think that's very likely. Yeah, and like I've said, I think I feel like Stormlight's going to get sucked out. I feel like, in that sense as well, Lyft, who uses Lifelight instead of Stormlight, again, puts her in the spotlight. Um, also, mm-hmm. another cool thing with Renarin is, I think I've read somewhere, that um, his flashbacks will also give us scenes from Way of Kings and Words of Radiance. So we can kind of be like, oh, all these parts where Renarin's acting weird, we might get some context for. Oh, yeah. And I love that. Reshaping mm. the narrative, you know, that, yeah. that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I suppose, Yasna, there's like little tidbits about like, oh, she was had these troubling things as a child and we had to experiment. And like there's little throwaway lines and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. surely it's juicy. So, yeah, great poll. Um, Harold's on top again. Harold seemed to be more popular than I gave him credit for. Yeah, man. How Harold heavy has it been? Harold and um, Unmade, they've been killing it on the reread. Yeah, they uh, really have. I uh, Did we see any Heralds in this section? I don't think we did, did we? I was looking, man. I yeah. really had my like Harold vision on. Didn't see him. Um, did you, though? Because last time you saw one in the Pure Lake, are you having any visions? I'm not having any vision <laughs> here, no. I, I don't, I don't yeah. think we see any heralds. I hope I'm wrong and someone messages us and lets us know that there was like eight heralds. Um, that would be great because lore-wise, th- these two chapters aren't as um, dense as a lot of the other stuff that we've done. But I'm always looking for heralds, always. Yes, and I think we need to like encourage this more because I feel like there's a lot of things in Stormlight we're not looking for. And I feel mm-hmm. like we're not looking hard enough for the heralds. So if everybody could please join us, yes, put on your herald we'll goggles. Down together. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. Well, before uh, we jump into the chapters, uh, mm. I wanted to give a little bit of a Sanderson update. Not much of yeah. an update in terms of like Stormlight news or anything, but he did a podcast that he always does intentionally blank. And this week, uh, him and his guest or his co-host were talking about the best living fantasy authors, and I wanted to just quickly go over some of the names Sanderson mentioned. I thought it was a really good podcast. I like the way that he talks about the, the genre. He had a lot of cool input as an author. One thing I thought was interesting, Christian, mm. is he said he would put himself in the top 15. He said he doesn't know if he could make the top 10, and he said he's certainly not in the top five. And I thought that was – and it didn't wow. feel like one of those uh, false sincerity moments where people are like, oh, no, guys, like I'm terrible. Like It definitely mm-hmm. didn't feel like that. I. I genuinely felt like he was being serious. Like he really thinks that he's not there yet. Um, I think he wants to see himself over decades and decades become something, you know, special. Mm. And he just doesn't feel like he's there yet, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Would you have expected him to put himself in there? Um, It's interesting that you mentioned it because I never thought, like I never considered that he'd mentioned himself in this list that they're making. Mm -hmm. But I, it doesn't surprise me that he's put himself in quite a humble sort of place. And I do believe you when you say that he 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 genuinely, it sounds like he genuinely 
believes that that's where he is and he, he wants to work harder to get up there. Yeah. I feel like he, he's he's working, he's very much, the impression I get is he's very much aware that he's creating a, a legacy and a really massive piece of work. Mm-hmm. And it's just, we're at the very, it feels like we're at the beginning of it or like edging into past the beginning with the Cosmere. And I mean, it's not just that he's working on. Um, and I feel like anybody worth their salt is quite self-critical, don't you think? As they should be, yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't... I, I'm more curious to hear who his top five is. Okay, so he said he only counted people... So here's the parameters. You had to be alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had to predominantly have made your name in fantasy. So someone like Stephen King, who has written fantasy, and Sanderson said he would argue that most of Stephen King's books are fantasy, but he's not like part of the fantasy genre. Yeah, uh, he's not counting because he said if so, Stephen King would be number one. Uh, he said it wouldn't. It, basically, he made it sound like it wouldn't have been close. Like it would have been Damn. obvious. Um, and then he made he judged them on a criteria, and it was forty points total, ten for each category, which is fame, impact on the genre. Uh, like ability so like writing ability and then mm. range like what what is your range been in your career and i love this i think whenever people do like top five top ten list having some sort of criteria like it's never going to be bulletproof and it's still going to come down to your subjective scores i think that that's like the best way of doing it um mm. so he had some honorable mentions some of them surprised me uh sarah j mass lee bardugo Terry Brooks, Holly Black, V.E. Schwab, Patrick Rothfuss. And then he also said that in this list, he had forgotten to include Robin Hobb and she would have made the top. She would have been number five had he f- not forgot her. So that, that was, made you happy. It did. Yeah. <laughs> so who let me just throw out five people you think he would name. We won't spend too long on this because I, I just talk for hours about this. I'm just going to make it simple, mate. Okay. I'm going to make it very, very simple. All I want to hear like, OK, let's let's address the elephant in the room. I'm not very well read, mate. You're asking uh-huh. me to list five authors. You're putting me on the spot. All right. So who 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 do you think is okay. your number one? No, no, no. The one who are, the person I want to see, which is no surprise to you, Jimmy, maybe to the listeners, but Joe Abercrombie, where is he? Where? He is not mentioned. He was not <laughs> no. mentioned. He wasn't mentioned no. at all. Um, also, I should mention J.K. Rowling was also an honorable mention. Um, he said, you know, fame and impact obviously are off the charts, but okay, ability sure. range um, worked <sighs> against her. Well, look. Um, when I think about his criteria, Joe Abercrombie not being there, kind of because he's kind of like he, range. It's more yeah. like he's nailed what he does. Well, I will say this: he's written for TV and he has yeah. written a YA series, so True. he has a little bit of range. But I would agree mm-hmm. with you. I think that's what's keeping him back in this list. Also, might have been this case where Sanderson just forgot because Tad Williams wasn't mentioned at all, which I think Tad Williams should absolutely be on a top five. Um, mm. at least honorable mentions for how big of an impact he's had on the genre. But his top five, number five was mm. Guy Gabriel K. Now he said this would belong to Robin Hobb if he had considered her, but he said Guy Gabriel K. Uh, number four, Neil Gaiman. Okay. Ne- yes. Which I, 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 you have to put Gaiman in the top five. Yeah. I think number yeah. three, NK Jemison, who I'm a big fan of number two. Uh, you've never heard of her. Uh, Jane Yo- Yolen. She's written a lot of children's books and other stuff. Um, his kids Wait. know who she is. She's in her 80s now, um, but she's like a legend uh, as right. far as kids literature goes. But she's written other stuff, too, which he says that is quality. Mm. Number one, 
Is it George R. R. Martin? George R. R. Martin. Oh, he oh said that even God. though he is not a fan of Game of Thrones because it was too dark for him, that he absolutely adores uh, some of George R. R. Martin's sci-fi and short fiction. Some of his favorite short fiction ever is from George. And he said that George is also, um, well, he said when it comes to abilities, a 10 out of 10, uh, like writing ability, he gave him a 10 out of 10 in fame and impact. And he gave him a 10 in range because he's worked on television, screenplays, a lot live plays, uh, short fiction, kids books. I mean, name it. He's, he's worked on everything. And I just thought it was interesting. He said that Germ is like one thing people don't talk about, I guess is like Germ is just a phenomenal editor. And he Mm -hmm. Sanderson said he worked with him. I think Germ edited Emperor's soul. I think. And he said that that experience was awesome. And like George was just fabulous to work with. And like, he's just really talented. <laughs> so that was kind of cool, you know, cause that obviously, happy. you know, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a big George fan. So the fact that Sanderson kind of tips his hat, cause there, there's a lot of uh, fandom wars when it comes between series, like this mm-hmm. happens not just exclusively with these two series, but other series as well. And to see authors like give each other nods, I always think is like the best. I like that. Cause at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. We're, we're readers, we're fantasy fans. And these series like A Song of Ice, Fire and Storm, like push the genre forward and uh, make it make it so that we have stories to to live inside of. So I, I, I thought that was cool. I thought the video was excellent and I really enjoyed Sanderson's rubric for what he graded on. And then also mm. just the way he talked about writing, I thought was really cool. So if you haven't checked out Intentionally Blank episode from this week, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to watch that now. And look, yeah, I don't I don't um, I don't try to hide it. I haven't read extensively and i'm always looking for that next person mm-hmm. right I, I i like to dive deep into a series but like i told you before we recorded every time someone talks about germ or a song of ice and fire man i just want to go back i just want to go back and i want the winds of winter i want it now but mate this is not a winds of winter podcast get it out of here <laughs> you're good germ but we've got things to talk about we yeah, got, we got we got some uh, we got some paydays to talk about. Huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, where where are my gems, guys? Yeah, pay up. We're j- jumping into chapter fourteen and fifteen, which is what our read along is today, and it was chapter fourteen, which is payday. By the way, we're going to be reading all of the epigraphs at the very end of the part two section to kind of put mm-hmm. it all together in a letter. But fourteen, we're talking about a little bit of payday. We're talking about Kaladin coming back, ready to fight again, and ready to bring up Bridge Four with him. Uh, what did you make of this chapter? We we get some big introductions. We see Moash, we see Brock, uh, which yeah. was always great. I, I did smile whenever I got to get, get across Rock's point. Uh, we see Syl and Kaladin working together against Gaz, which is really fun. And we get a little bit of uh, Kaladin and Syl mystery slash breadcrumbs. Uh, but overall, not a terribly long chapter and not a ton um, as far as like advancing the plot along. But what did you think of it? Yeah, it kind of felt like let's let's check in with Cal. Let's see how he's doing. It it's been a it felt like an eternity since we've been with this guy after the interludes and Dalinar. I felt like well, it's good to be back, and it was good to see some familiar faces, some familiar Bridgemen. I'm really paying attention to Bridge Four as we go because it's it's interesting. There are some Bridge Four people who don't really get utilized until the later books. Their names mm-hmm. are mentioned. Oh, they were there. They were standing there. They were looking. And not until like Rhythm of War do we get some of them in the spotlight. So I'm paying attention to that. And um, the biggest thing that stood out to me, like firstly, I'm enjoying the beginning, the beginning of the whole like underdog sports team arc. 
<laughs> um, with Kaladin training to inspire the troops. Um, but what was interesting to me was how surprised Rock was when he checked how heavy the plank was mm-hmm. to the point of being like really surprised. Yeah, and if he- Rock, like this human mountain, is like, man, this is heavy. How do he do it? I'm like, there's some magic going on here, man. I was thinking stuff. the same thing, maybe a yeah. little. And I actually was also thinking about like Calvin's speech to them, like we got to cut, you know, we got to work hard. We're not going to let anyone die. And it's interesting because obviously the hard work is going to pay off. But a, I think most of the credit could be given to Kaladin's ability. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. not so much the hard work of getting up and 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 you know doing your push-ups and your sips and saying your prayers and taking your vitamins, but. Um, it made me wonder, like, how much does this training actually end up mattering um, since Kaladin had some sort of, you know, magic ability? Yeah, it's more the it's more the routine and the the hope for a brighter day. You know, yeah. the training is just part of that getting out and um, not just like hitting your head against the wall, literally, which is what a lot of the bridge men would rather be doing. Um, it was a cool first introduction to moash right mm-hmm. yes them fighting immediately and kaladin yeah. being the aggressor yeah yeah i feel like this this is what i, I like again i'll say it i always uh, love the first scenes with characters because whenever a series finishes you go back and you and you look when did they first meet like it's always so significant mm-hmm. and i think oh could this scene be turned on its head you know like Moash is on the ground and Kaladin rips him up. Can we, will we see something different by the end? I don't know. It is possible. I think um, it's also just interesting that Moash is around Kaladin's age. And mm. I think they're around the same size as well. It's, it's almost like a complete opposite yeah. uh, to Kaladin. And to be fair, Kaladin is kind of the jerk in this situation, in my opinion. Like, again, if he came into the the barracks and was storming in <laughs> and doing all this, and I would be annoyed with him as well. Like, bro, I know I'm going to die. Let me die. Let me sleep. Like, sleep. Oh, it's a hard me. case he's trying to put forth. Like, as a bridgeman, I yeah. need a whole lot of whole lot of motivation to, like, start my training arc. Because mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, I'm dead tomorrow. Yeah, and... and, uh, and- he yeah. leads by example, which Dalinar does as well, which mm. is an interesting parallel that we kind of see in real time of Kaladin yeah. starting this here. And then we see uh, Dalinar really showing Adolin why he leads by example and why he leads the way he does in the following chapter. So it's it's interesting. I feel like Kaladin and Dalinar are a little bit more similar in that regard than Adolin and Dalinar. Yes, I, I loved. I definitely noticed that parallel reading this and we'll talk about it later, but I loved how that chapter ended and he connected it to the way of Kings and bearing mm-hmm. the weight of your, your people. Oh, that was mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, I quite, the thing that's interesting about Gaz, right. Is I keep reminding myself that Gaz kind of has a turnaround in the series with Shalan. He kind of tries to be better later on. So I'm trying to view Gaz as objectively as possible, just like you are with the Bridgman. Like, dude, I don't want to get up. And I'm trying to see if I can find some sympathy for Gaz here. Can you, can you help me out? Because I'm struggling. Uh, so I don't think I don't necessarily know if I feel sympathy, but mm. Kaladin kind of mentioned earlier that he 
it had held it not held it against other leaders before whenever they're just doing their jobs but he felt like gaz kind of relished in it and i think mm. gaz is falling into the same pitfall that most humans fall into which is whenever they have power and they are not used to power uh that they use it in a, in a bad way humans seem to do very poorly in positions of power uh mm. there's just some kind of psychological effect there um that I don't know. It messes with people. And Gaz certainly is showing that he has character flaws, like character trait flaws yeah. uh, with being the leader of these bridgemen. But you can kind of tell he's pathetic in, in, in many of these scenes, especially with how scared he is of Kaladin and hiding, making sure he's not oh, is he following me. And <laughs> that was still, really funny. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I, I really enjoyed that moment. And then, you know, Kaladin shows up behind him. Hey, what are you doing? Ah! Yeah. <laughs> really good stuff. And and it was yeah. cool to see Syl and Kaladin kind of working together there. But yeah, Gaz just seems pathetic to me. And in that regard, I do pity him. Yeah. I feel like there's the obviously well-written Sanderson characters we can harp on about, but I feel like he's captured this sort of stereotype or like archetype of a character or a person quite well in gas like that mm-hmm. that middle management guy middle management oh my god <laughs> middle management guys who who doesn't hate a good old middle manager <laughs> i mean my god yeah but like i just kind of felt i did actually kind of feel bad for him with him in the alleyway facing the wrong way and you've got this like ma- guy with a magical <laughs> like companion He's got no chance against Kaladin and Syl. I liked all the little Syl touches too, her walking around like there was an earth around. Just all these little touches that Mm -hmm. Sanderson does to bring Syl and the Spren to life. It's just magical and enjoyable. Simply enjoyable. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that that is really the objective other than getting Kaladin active again and leading Mm. my example so we can relate him to Dalinar in the following chapter. I think the other uh, accomplishment of this chapter that Brandon Sanderson Brandison. Brandon, Brandon Sanderson set out, <laughs> out to do was to get across the fact that there is a lot going on with Syl and mm. with Kaladin and that Kaladin's words are important. And we get a little bit of a scene here and I can read it. Uh, it's whenever Kaladin and Syl are talking and she says, Kaladin, I have something to tell you. He closed his eyes again. Kaladin, this is important. He felt a slight jolt of energy on his eyelid it was a very strange sensation he grumbled opening his eyes and forcing himself to sit she walked in the air as circumnavigating an invisible spear until she was standing up in the right direction i have decided sill declared that i'm glad you kept your word to gaz even if he is a disgusting person it took kaladin a moment to realize what she was talking about the spheres she nodded i thought you might break your word but i'm glad you didn't all right well Thank you for telling me, I guess. Kaladin, she said. I actually don't know what that word is. What is that word, Christian? (laughs) Sorry, let me. Petulantly. Wow, I'm dumb. Sorry. Kaladin, she said petulantly, (laughs) making fists at her side. This is important. And important is is italicized. Sorry, my brain just uh, turned off halfway through that. Um, But we're talking about oaths here, guys. We're talking about oaths. This is about kaladin saying something and doing something and and sticking to his words aka an oath Mm. and sill is having memories of all this stuff and she's beginning to understand you know what death is yada 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 but this is important because this is showing that i think it's unveiling to her one of the reasons why she's around kaladin and that is eventually going to be the fact that he will say his oaths yeah yeah it's about that 
And what stood out to me as well, it's another clue that she's an honest Bren as opposed to a windspren mm-hmm. because he's doing something honorable and it's yes. kind of um, tickling her fancy and she's waking up. Yes. I remember this got me hook, line, and sinker when I read it. I was like, I need to know what's going on with her. This was <laughs> well, so and, interesting. And yeah, and we've also heard many times that she's not like other windspren, right? Like, I'm not like other girls. I'm not um, like but, other girls, mate. But with Sprint. And, and, and that happens to also, in fact, be true. So, yeah. Really and when, stuff. Yeah, when Carlton said... Um, so wait, this sort of thing has never happened to you before. I'm like, kind of has though, because mm. she had bonded to a dude before. Um, I really, for for quite a, a straightforward chapter, I found it really great how it ended. Mm-hmm. Um, when they were just talking about, everyone's had that moment where they like discover death really. And you're laying in bed and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die one day. And the existential dread hits <laughs> and that her and Kaladin kind of shared that moment. And then they talked about like actually losing memories. And when they made that connection, when he said, you're scared to go onward, but terrified to go back to, to what you were. And, um, and he says, I know how you feel. It just hit me deep. I, uh, I, uh, I, I won't lie. I did get a little bit of a feeling that, like about human consciousness, right? Because it feels like mm-hmm. still becoming conscious. And Thomas Ligotti, who's a very famous uh, horror author, wrote a nonfiction book called The Conspiracy Against the Human Race, where he argues that consciousness is a bad thing and that Ooh. we become aware it affects everything about us and is essentially like a poison to our minds and knowing that we are going to die one day and that we understand what's happening to us. Like the fact that we're awake and I know this is extremely dark and nihilistic, but this did remind me of it because I thought about Syl and it's like, hmm, you almost get this feeling that they're they're having a conversation about whether or not her actually becoming aware and learning is a good thing or not. Do I think Sanderson is trying to make an argument that consciousness could possibly be? (laughs) No, I don't. But I took it from this scene that like, oh, Yeah. yeah, like welcome to the world. Welcome to the world, Syl. Now you got to deal with it like the rest of us. Ignorance is bliss, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Self being self aware and conscious has a lot of baggage. Yeah, and Syl is about to find that out. <laughs> oh yeah, mate. The Russian literature portion. You like Boston that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have oh. uh, something that's not so depressing. Uh, it's whenever we meet Rock, and I wanted to see if you caught onto this little line here. So uh, he laughed in a deep-bellied way. The others joined him, shaking their heads at Kaladin's speech. A few laughter spread. Minnow-like silver spirits that darted through the air in circular patterns began to zip about them. And I circled this because one, we've been paying attention to Spren and their colors, which these are silver. But I thought it was interesting that they're called minnow-like, and we just came from the pure lake, which we said, man, those fish got to be special. And we're getting another fish reference here to Spren. Hmm. I don't know if I'm reaching here, but hmm. it seems like that those interludes being before the section and then minnow-like silver spirits being mentioned might be something we should pay attention to because we've we've often pondered about what is special about the little fishes in the pure lake, right? So I like that. I like that. Like I didn't even connect minnow to being a type of fish. (laughs) That's how far behind I am. I have the, uh, the, the pure lakes on my mind, bro. Yeah. You're, you're still swimming in the pure lake, dude. I'm here slaving with my bridge. (laughs) 
I'm training. <laughs> um, but I like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Because the thing is, right, the way they appear in our, in the real world, like in the physical world, is like almost like you see like the edges of how they look like in Shadesma, which is mm-hmm. cool. I'd love to cross-reference what do the laughter spread look like in Shadesma, and then pot- potentially we'll get a clearer vision of that. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I'm looking it up now. I can't see any more info on it, but we'll we'll add it to the list of the the conspiracy file. What I did enjoy was seeing our boy Sigzil for a brief moment here, because um, spoiler alert: if you really, you, you, nah, no one cares. I think it's going to be fine. But you know, the thing with Sigzil is, firstly, everyone knows this. It's okay. You can listen. He was an apprentice to Hoyd, and it's like mentioned in the Way of Kings, which it which is like. Not that stunning to you when you first read it because you think Wit's just kind of like an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. But now you're like, what? There's a guy in Bridge 4 who was hanging out with Hoyt? Like, that's massive. And then you realize he's the main character in the next Secret Project. So I'm like, I am watching this dude like a hawk. I this. didn't know any of this. Oh, really? <laughs> I had forgot that he was. I forgot that he was an apprentice, and I and I did not know about the secret project. That is awesome. Yeah. So like he he's a world singer, and a world singer in this like in Roshar is just basically like a, a pe- someone who's traveled extensively, and they tell the stories of you know mm-hmm. different parts of uh, Rosha. So he was he was an apprentice to Hoyt, um, and apparently there was a murder gone wrong, which ended him up in um in bridge four and hoyd knows he's there but he's been avoiding interacting for reasons unknown so i'm watching him i'm very curious to see what he's doing here because there's a book about to be featured about him coming out soon and you know you got my brain working and i know we're going to talk about the letter at the end of the part but uh let me first assure you that the element is quite safe i have found a good home for it i protect its safety like i protect my own skin you might say is is the epigraph to payday this chapter hmm. and knowing that sigzil was the apprentice to wit it has me wondering if possibly this element is with Sig- sigzil that could be cool because my own skin is a very you might say my own skin you might say and i was like okay is he like wearing this element is he using it to disguise himself is that how he does it or my own skin is relaying to sigzil another human being who has skin and mm. wit is trying to protect another sorry i love that another human being who has skin who has skin confirmed just trying to connect the dots in my brain you know yeah. um, <laughs> that was great yeah. so so maybe Sigzil, you know, I, I never think anything is accidental with these epigraphs. Uh, yeah, like down to the placement. Yeah, exactly. I think that's very intentional. So just something to keep in mind that we yeah, are it's been a minute since I've read that letter and like wrapped my head around it. So I hesitate to say more because I feel like I will be. And we're going to discuss the letter in its entirety with all the epigraphs, yeah. uh, you know, when we finish part two. So we'll, we'll, we'll save it. But let's just remember Sigzil. It was in the chapter, which this element being kept safe, like he protects his own skin, you know, yeah. was there. So yeah. I think that 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 that's really important. But anything else from chapter 14? No, mate. It was a good chapter. I feel like we covered the main basis, and I'm 
man, the next chapter was a chonker. It this was thick. <laughs> <laughs> with three C's. Three C's at chapter 15, the decoy. Mm. The decoy. There's, um. oh, I quite like that now that I'm looking at the, t- the title of the chapter. Mm-hmm. So it really, in that sense, it's a saddest chapter. It's, it's a saddest chapter, but also mm. isn't there a bit of a decoy being run with this hunt and them mm. inviting the other high prince? And it's all kind of a decoy to get them there. You know, I mean, it has a lot of levels. Yeah, it serves a lot of purpose um, throughout this whole thing. Mm. This was, it felt like a few chapters in one, to be honest. Yeah. Um, It's quite illuminating, especially with Dalinar and Sadius as two characters. You start to see their weird symbiotic relationship, I suppose you, you can call it. Did you feel like you understood Sadius and gained a bit more respect for him? Maybe just a smidge. Uh, I feel like there's a whole lot to go still. Uh, I love this showing off how Dalinar is a very tactful person and just. And this is a great way of showing us that he's not just he doesn't just talk about the codes and talk about being honorable and all this stuff, but he's actually doing it like working you know, for lack of a better term, crossing the aisle to work with Sadius and being like, well, he's not my friend, but he there's a lot worse than him and his intentions are good. We just mm-hmm. have a personal disagreement. It kind of just shows that he is a good hearted uh, high print. It really does want the best for Elokar. Uh, I, I, I like that about Dalinar. And I think that that could be a pretty tough character to write without coming across too cheesy. But I think it's done really well in the fact that it bounces off Adolin, which Adolin is a lot more brash, which I think as readers entering a fictional world, we tend to be a little bit more brash as well. Mm-hmm. So Adolin filters our opinion um, through his conversations with Dalinar. And hopefully we come at the end knowing that this is a lot more complex than, you know, first meets the eye. So. Yeah, Dalinar is really a dude just trying to do the best with the limited information he has. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of get the sense that he's, I, even when I first read it, I'm like, I don't think you're, you've interpreted what was left to you accurately. Yeah. Um, I know Gavilar was following the codes, but I don't think the codes are the answer. <laughs> so Gavilar is reflected upon by Dalinar as very positive in my opinion i think Mm. that gavilar is seen in a very good light whenever dalinar thinks of him but there are other people who have thought about gavilar and talk about how he's always looking for war and 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 whatnot i think that gavilar is just like sadius a very complex character but it's just interesting to think that i maybe gavilar's intentions aren't as pure as dalinar thinks that they might be what do you think do you think gavilar is up to no good i think gavilar's one of the most dodgy people mm-hmm. I've, I've ever met in Rosha. Um, and I think in some ways, look, the in, the interesting thing about Dalinar and Gavilar is the relationship is really complicated and mm-hmm. we see it so much in Oathbringer. And I remember thinking the Navani thing was a bit odd, but when we went back and saw like the, the whole Navani love triangle tension was there from the beginning, I just feel like, Dalinar's doing his best to see the best in his brother. Yeah. Even though he might know that he's not all that the appearances he gave off. Hey, know? we often do that as humans uh, when yeah. people pass away as well, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can cut out all all the 
all the all the bad things and just um keep this pure pure version of them especially if they're a king as well like he worked hard for his kingly appearance and he was always wearing his crown and everyone was very impressed with gavala mm. but whenever we do check in with him he's just a bit i don't know he just seems mad you know he <laughs> just focused. seems <laughs> focused is that the word we want to he's use focused. <laughs> <laughs> um switching over that's enough characterization, mate. We need to go to the law. I've had enough. All right, let's do it. We're going to the law. Are you I'm talking about rock buds? Up. Is that what you're going to talk about? Close enough. Yeah, I'm going to read this to you. Let's see what you think. Okay. Tiny, near invisible spren were floating out of the beast's body, vanishing into the air. They looked like the, t- the tongues of smoke that might come off a candle after being snuffed. Nobody knew what kind of spren they were. You only saw them around freshly killed bodies of great shells. Spren of the week. What do we have? I don't know, man. I don't know, but it seems significant. It does. It's interesting because I I see this. I wonder if it's just Great Shells dying or something dying in general. Hmm. I feel like we need to get like the Spren spreadsheet and like understand (laughs) what each of them look like. But for, for me, it was kind of shocking that he would say that Nobody knows. How could nobody know? And yeah, not too sure. It'd yeah, I'm not. I'm not positive, thing. but I I'm sure that it is going to be significant. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad. It's it's one of those things where I feel like I should be picking up on this, and I just haven't done it. Just well, if anyone it. has any ideas, please let us yes. know um, mm. on the weekly feedback thing on Spotify, or you can hit us up at lost in Roshar gmail.com uh, and, and give us a, uh, your insight on what these spren are. I thought you were going to talk about the rock buds, to be honest. With what you. did you notice about the rock bud? All right. So as uh, you know, some, I'll just read it. Some flat, uh, plate-like teeth for crushing and destroying shells and other smaller mandibles for uh, ripping off flesh and shoving it deeper into the throat. Rock buds had opened nearby, their vines reaching out to lap up the beast blood. So as the chasm, yeah, as this thing is dying and the blood's running <laughs> on the ground, these rock buds are opening up and swallowing the blood. <laughs> I mean, I mean, now that you say that, and and and, and Dalinar just just says uh, there was a connection between a man and a beast. He hunted, and it's like, oh, Dalinar, how about the thing where the thing on the ground is drinking <laughs> blood? Because that's <laughs> the like, Venus flytrap in the corner. But these I wonder, are the second time vines have done something in the story. Well, for me, it's just like liquid they reach out they take what they can get do you think they're just like do you think what are you thinking with that i i I guess it's just like their vines reaching out the lap of the beast blood and we saw vines in the interlude and i said oh these vines something like kind of like a lift sprint possibly and we're like yeah probably not Mm -hmm. might just be it being it but then again vines again and pretty significant scene here like chasm phoenix just went down jim hart's being collected and then these rock buds are moving their vine. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. I'm thinking too far. I love it. to follow you down rabbit holes, but this one, I'm just really, I'm, I'm letting you go down. I'll hold, I'll hold the rope. Like you keep, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll help you down, but I'm not jumping there with you. I don't know, I, dude. I think they're just lapping up liquid. As, as, as much as I want like vampiric, um, rock buds that are like taken in blood and becoming more powerful or something. I don't know. 
I'm just not feeling it. Well, when the vines end up winning Roshar, I'll <laughs> laugh at you. Yeah. I, I, I want you to tell me I told you so, and I want there to be like this sneaky rock bud that's like, I've been waiting. <laughs> oh, my God. Please. Yeah. Like a buff rock bud. Look. I like I like that you're paying attention to this stuff because I'm just I'm just I'm reading right past it. <laughs> well, I, I did, the fact I, is I might be reading into something that isn't there. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're gonna you win some, you lose some, mate. We're trying our best. <laughs> we're trying our best here on. Lost what did you America. make of the uh, the inspection of the competition to get the gemstones? I thought th- I thought all that was really interesting. Whenever uh, the paragraph says they could have taken turns, but that was not the Alethi way. Competition was doctrine to them. Voronism taught that the finest warriors would have holy privilege of joining the heralds after death, fighting to reclaim the Tranquilian halls from the void bringers. The high princes were allies, but they were also rivals. To give up a gem heart to another, well, it became sport. In- it felt wrong. Uh, better mm. to have a contest and so what had been a war had become a sport instead deadly sport but that was the best kind i just find a lethy culture exhausting can't we all <laughs> can't we all just get along well welcome got- to america uh this is where everything <laughs> is a race to the top and anyone else gets kicked to the bottom and you shouldn't have been a loser uh, that's kind of how a lot of people view uh, life here in America, I would say. And the Alethi's giving off that bit of that vibe, huh? Like that hyper-competitive yeah, future. So. Yeah, I mean, whenever Dalinar breaks from the narrative later on in the chapter and everyone looks at him like, are you a madman? When he was sort of arguing for the ethical bridges, he's like, yeah. it's about how you win, not just like winning. And they're like, what's wrong with you, mate? <laughs> what <laughs> yeah crazy. like you must win via human sacrifice because you 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 won like it doesn't matter um yeah it's this it's this insane culture and it's not all across Rosha because people are always like rolling their eyes like oh bloody alethi mm-hmm. they won't stop just stop with your bloody infighting and competition and war <laughs> it's just like a whole mess this situation at the shadow plains and I can't get behind it, really. I find it also pointless. Like I said last time, I just find it really frustrated to to read about. To read about, um, and that's why I'm glad Wit can walk in and just school everybody. He was God. Do we have to talk about it? Are we heading towards the joke? I think we are. Oh, we absolutely are. But <laughs> well, one thing to note before we do that is, as uh, you know, whenever Wit comes in, it says, "But you arrived hours ago. Then what have you been doing? How uh, could I have missed seeing you here? I yeah. had." things to be about wit said yes. but i couldn't stay away from the hunt i wouldn't want you to lack for me where was he and what was he doing okay i thought about this i thought about this quite a bit and firstly i was like sigzil he's visiting sigzil at that bridge for right but i do recall at some point later maybe when, it, when he does the whole wonder sale story to kaladin i think he drops that he knows sigzel but he hasn't been talking to him so i genuinely don't think it, it was with him but what this made me started thinking about it's like why has he inserted himself as the king's wit like why now is he why now at the shadow plane six years into this whole campaign right hmm. and what I've th- through a little bit of research and a little bit of theory, theorying of my own, 
it's because he's cluing into like Dalina. And I found a quote from Sanderson and he was saying that, yeah, Hoyt thinks Dalinar because with his weird like change in persona and this whole new like the way of kings persona, he, Hoyt thinks he's part of these like the secret societies of Rosha, like either the Sons of Honor or like the Ghost Bloods or something. Mm-hmm. And you know he's wrong, which I find it so funny because he's like winking at Dalinar in this scene, like <laughs> I know you know, and he totally doesn't. <laughs> he's just like yeah, bro. That's really funny. Yeah, he's like, you're at the club, right? And Dallin, I was like, this guy's weird. <laughs> oh, winking at me. Yeah. I just found that that just made that scene so much better for me because he leaves and just gives him a little look like, all right, bro. Yeah, I would have never picked up on that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, Hoyt is, you know, he's he's chaotic, but there's there is reason to, to where he uh, puts himself. Um, and it could be as simple as, oh, they're the royal family. They're probably going to be onto stuff. Yeah. But yeah, Sanderson himself said it's because of Dalino. And it's also showing, you know, now that we have that context, we know that uh, Wit isn't and Hoyd are not always right. In what sense? Like sometimes they have bad intel, like thinking Dalinar's a oh, yeah. society and they're not. So like yeah. Hoyd is fallible for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, also, to to the listeners, I just I just genuinely want to apologize because I can feel my brain power by the end of this episode. Just like I'm I'm flatlining. This <laughs> is ep- episode ten. We started strong, and as the clock nears midnight, Christian Kremling is we just Jimmy. Just just take the show home, mate. I've got nothing. I've just got, oh my god. Well, you know, this chapter is pretty straightforward, I think, from, from yeah. this point on, right? I mean, we're good that we already talked about the Sadia stuff and, and exactly what happened there. We get a little bit more flashbacks of the quote that Gavilar uh, wrote, you know, find the most important rewards a man can say. Adolin gets some more information about his uncle, which I think is hard for him to digest. I don't think Adolin processes information the, <laughs> the most mm-hmm. uh, efficiently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> the thing about Adolin is, that I forgot is that he's in his 20s. He's not a teenager here, right? Oh, he's like 23. Yeah. Which, by the way, I like. Um, I like a fantasy series that's not focused all around teenagers. That's oh, thank it's, you. it's nice, right? And Elokar's like 27. It's, it's, yeah, not everyone's a teenager coming of age. Yes. And Adolin is uh, focused elsewhere. He, he, he likes the, the girl. I think he sees the world like we usually did. Uh, I'm sure, Christian, you can agree with me in your early 20s. Uh, things are black and white. Uh, yeah, you're pretty dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> yeah. was dumb until like last year. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I liked all that section. And then we see Vama, which is another high prince. Is that how you say it? Vama? Yeah. 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 So Vama and what they're up to. And it kind of gives you a, uh, a temperature on the other high princes and the game that's being played around Elokar and why Dalinar is. He knows Elokar is being paranoid, but is also willing to protect him because he does think that there is a threat and that there's no reason not to be safe, which mm. from Sadie's point of view, he says, well, that's just as paranoid. Like, that's why he's paranoid, which and I disagreed with. I 100% disagree with, especially yeah. it's actually kind of a ridiculous stance to take, especially after there was an assassination on a mm. very strong king to think that anything would be over the limits. You know, I just it's, I think it's a silly thing for Sadius to think, uh, but that's Sadius and that, that and that's his yeah, story. Sometimes he's just going to argue for argument's sake. Um, yeah. It was 
it was nice to get this whole little play by him and uh, by Dalinar and Sadius and how Dalinar started to bring Adolin into the fold a little bit and started to be like, dude, you know what your uncle did and all mm-hmm. these things, you know. And what was interesting to me, I thought, because because they're like, oh, Gavilar could write. Well, Seth wrote, Seth wrote it. So I'm like, could Gavilar actually write? I'm not too sure. Um, I'm assuming he could read. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just found that interesting to, to, to be actually tell the difference. Even as a new mm-hmm. reader, you know that Zeth wrote it. So yeah, you're yeah. seeing how information is, you know, everyone's working with a different interpretation of what happened that night, uh, including yeah. the reader every time we read a prologue. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it, it's interesting how information travels and how things are perceived since there wasn't an eyewitness there. And I like the way the Sanderson kind of plays with that perspective a good bit. Uh, this is also the chapter where we get introduced to the strap, which is the my least favorite arc. part. Yeah. My least favorite part of wave Kings. I think, um, I'm agreeing with you oh, totally. I just remember being like, this strap is going on forever. It was underwhelming for me the first time. And I love the way of Kings. I, I had a rave review for it on my YouTube channel. Uh, and, and, you know, I still love the way it's great. We're rereading it, having a blast, but the strap is not it. Yeah. <laughs> the strap cut the strap. Yeah. Cut the strap. Honestly, just, just kill out our car at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just I've had enough. No. Cause look, if the strap was just this, and it was like next chapter. Yeah, we checked it out a bit more. But the next chapter is like, uh, like when we come back to these guys, they're going around with leather workers. They're checking it out back and forth. I just felt like it went way too long. Agreed. And then at the end, he's like, I, I did it. I did it. Take yeah, that's the part where I remember just going, okay, yeah. next, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Next, that's fine. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like the only part I'm, I'm like not being that I was not looking forward to reading again. I was like, oh, the strap. Yeah. <laughs> the contained mystery in book one. And it's just, <laughs> was there, are there any other parts that you're like, oh God, I don't want to read that again. Besides the edge dancer. Yeah. I'll be dead honest. And this is going to be a surprise to you. Okay. Down our flashbacks. What? I'm not. What? I am not that keen when we get to that. I don't know why. I thought you would love that. I did love them. They're my favorite part of Stormlight. But for okay. some reason, I'm not looking forward to rereading them. What? You don't want Logan Ninefingers style <laughs> Dalinar chapters? Here's the thing. That's I the remember best. a lot of them. That's the problem. Like, dude, flashbacks in book two, don't remember anything. Don't remember really? anything. Mm-hmm. Um Book four, I, I still remember the flashbacks. Book three, I remember the flashbacks. So it's just that it's so fresh in my mind that it's going to feel like treading water again, uh, the same water mm-hmm. again for me. But hey, by the time we get those bringer, it's going to be like three <laughs> years from now. So I'll probably have free time by then. Yeah, but you get to see Zaddy, you know, Zaddy oh, with his curly locks. Yes, don't get me wrong, guys. I love Dalinar. <laughs> I loved Oathbringer and I love the flashbacks. But no, I get really, you. I'm looking for new stuff. You know, yeah, and, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. what I'm trying to kind of attach to how much trying with Elokar, but now I'm starting to remember with the strap stuff. I'm remembering why <laughs> I didn't true. really care about Elokar all that much, but I'm also trying to attach myself to Renarin on this reread. And uh, I'm still a uh, big fan of Shalon. I was the first time I read through and I, and I still am on this one as well. She might come out the hero of this podcast. I was more thinking like, I understand what you're saying. Like, I feel like you're not getting as much 
you feel like you're not getting as much because you remember it and you might mm-hmm. not notice things. But it's more like something you're just like, oh, the strap, like it just didn't land for me. More more something that like did not land and you're like, I know it's not going to land again. Was there something like that? Uh, yeah, the Navani sections of Rhythm of War. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but I'm hoping, I, I hold hope that on a reread I will like it more, but that is without a doubt the biggest miss for me. I feel like I'm going to be dragging you through those chapters. I, I'm, <laughs> Dude, I'm going to give it a full-blown engaged effort. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want to like that section. I just yeah. did not when I first read it. So I'm hoping, and and that's one of the reasons why I I wanted to do a reread and do it slowly is because I want to be able to take time for the the stuff that is really lore dense and Mm -hmm. uh, heavy and dive into it a little bit more. So I'm I'm hopeful for that one, but I am a little nervous for when we get to Rhythm of War into the different types of light and (laughs) that's fair. I remember because what happened was I read Mistborn between Oathbringer and rhythm of war so i was fresh with the metals and all that sort of all those mechanics so navani understanding the metals from mistborn and doing science with that i was like perfectly primed for i don't know when you had read mistborn but i'm guessing it's way years before yeah yeah a year before yeah yeah so i had the perfect timing so perhaps we should try and do that i like that idea I'm, i'm definitely down with that yeah the, the thing that I love in the Cosmere is that the the sort of kryptonite for everyone that blocks all um, mm-hmm. that blocks all magic across all the Cosmere novels as far as I can tell is aluminium or aluminum as you guys call it over there yes and I wonder how that has made its way to the Cosmere and it's become like the nerf to all things that is a good question yeah. They've they've caught a uh, what do they call it? I forgot the name for it. That's what they are. Sometimes they call it Raukalist. I think they call it sometimes in the books, but it's just Uh aluminium. And uh, you see it pop up a few times. Um, So yeah, all the medals from Mistborn like coming in here. You that's also something I'm looking for in this reread as well. We do see. Do you remember any scenes where they use the the medals? No, I don't. Oh, there's a good one in um, Words of Radiance. And I guess I'll just talk about it now because otherwise I can't be like, tune in next year. Yeah, right. Yeah. Talk about it. It's whenever like Hoyd, again, you don't remember this because you don't remember the flashbacks, but he shows up in Shallan's flashbacks, which is a lot younger. And he like puts some like metal shards in his tea. And he also like writes, I mean, soothes her emotions with like, the wow. misborn, misborn magic during that chapter. It's very cool. That is really cool. Yeah. So it does show up. I um, feel like I need to reread Mistborn before we read Words of Radiance. Yeah, look, I think I think Warbreak is a must before Words of Radiance. Mistborn could be a nice little touch. Maybe the final empire or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the whole thing, because I know yeah. how you feel about book two. <laughs> <laughs> again i'm always open to keep an open mind on a reread but uh, yeah. i i definitely would like to reread book one at least just to get back into like alamancy and understanding it because i've I, I have forgotten a lot yeah me too I, if you ask me what each metal does now i couldn't tell you yeah I which isn't that 
absurd yeah no, no. <laughs> to not remember the entire um, magic system <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah if i if i had like alamancy down to a science in everyday conversation it's time to stop and think just give me that mistborn video game and i'll have it memorized man it's perfect for a video game it is it's, it's a perfect they yeah. need to make it it'd be great i yeah the thing is like these are the when we talk about the adaptation we keep talking about movies and tv shows would it, would there be an angle to say these should all be games? I don't know if I could say. Oh, that. I think anything Sanderson has touched is is very ripe for games. In a lot of ways, I think he writes uh, a lot of the like lore and world building in a game fashion. It reminds mm. me a bit of R.A. Salvatore in his work on um, Kingdoms of Amalur, which was a RPG that Kurt Schilling. Uh, funded from the mlb it was very strange but yeah. ra salvatore crafted like this really intricate like magic system and world for the game and i've always thought that the approach uh to stormlight felt a l- not not like a one for one but just the way he did it uh, yeah so i i think any of these would make a great game and i would play it in a heartbeat give me a stormlight archive mmo and i'll quit my job tomorrow <laughs> yeah it, i definitely got that the um video game vibes i remember when i was first reading it i was really deep into overwatch and I felt like, especially in, with Stormlight, with the cooldowns and stuff, it really feels like a, a game where you got, yeah. you got all your abilities, got all your key bindings, and you're just balancing it all out. But it kind of works. It just kind of works. It does. And it provides something just a, a bit different than other things, yeah. right? Um, I, I wouldn't fault anyone for saying that. Like, hey, this reminds me of a video game. I don't like it because of that. And that's acceptable. But to me... Yeah. Uh, not a ton of other fantasy books that are not, you know, just complete schlock are, are written like that. So I mm. like it. I'd love to see like a traditional story rewritten with like a hard magic system. Like, could you just throw that into Lord of the Rings? Absolutely not. And they're like Frodo's invisibility <laughs> cooldown was. <laughs> oh, it would be terrible. <laughs> it really would be it would really be terrible <laughs> it would really be terrible and then at the same time imagine stormlight written in the style of tolkien would you lose yeah. out a lot because the magic is so oh esoteric? without a doubt i mean there's too much yeah. mystery and uh it all ends up mattering by the end of the story and it yeah i i i think that sanderson is writing exactly how he should be yeah because often you'll see those things. I don't know if you get this on your feeds, but you'll see like, oh, this character drawn in the in the style of all these artists. And you see like a very famous character, maybe like mm-hmm. Luffy or someone drawn by the guy who does, I don't know, Berserk. Yeah. Um, imagine like a paragraph from like Stormlight written in the style of all these authors. I think that would be cool. Like a that cool would be experiment. Cool. I think I think you could definitely change the writing style uh, yeah. and, and it could be just as an effective of a story or maybe even better at some points. Hmm. Uh, but it's also a lot of information to relay, right? Like it's a it's a tricky balance, I think, to picking up uh, picking up a story like this and flushing out so much of the world building and the magic. And then also, like, how do you write that in a way that is compelling, accessible, uh, but still good, right? Still quality. Hmm. It's a difficult balance. And Sanderson's talked about how hard he's worked on that balance. And like, he's really, you know, tried hard to, to, uh, 
you know, work on the craft of his prose. And he knows that he's not, he, he said it himself. He's like, I'm not the most uh, literary writer of all time, but I have mm. worked very hard on my style of writing. And I would say that it has worked. Yeah. I could listen to him talk about writing all day, man. I lived on those lectures. Yeah. It's very interesting time. to hear from yeah. somebody. Uh, I've always been a big fan of authors who are very transparent and he's very transparent as well as uh, Steven Erickson from the Malazan series is very transparent mm. and talks about the process quite a bit. Whereas a lot of authors keep it close to their chest and it's kind of like secrets of the trade. Secrets yeah. Of the crap, which for, being a performer pro wrestler, I understand that mindset, mm. but I think at the end of the day, it's kind of silly. And I think people should be more transparent if they're, I guess if they're comfortable being transparent, you know? Yeah. I think it's just going to create even more talented storytellers. Yes. In, in the future, you know, yeah. some of it's like whenever you watch inside the actor's studio and you see all those actors asking questions. And one time it was Bradley Cooper watching, asking questions. Uh, someone would be watching these writing lectures, you know, today will be a very successful author thanks to them. So yeah, Definitely. share it. Definitely. Share it. Nothing wrong with that. You'll still be Brandon Sanderson, you know, you can talk about you can talk about your writing process. No one's gonna be like, oh now I get it. I'll just write the next Stormlight book and take over. It doesn't work. Easy. Like that. Yeah. No, yeah. It doesn't work quite like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um but yeah man, another another two chapters down. Which yes. away at this thing. We really are. We're over 200 some pages into this big trade paperback and I can't believe it. Oh, it feels good. It feels it good. Does. And uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Yes, sir. As always, guys, thank you for accompanying us on this episode of Lost in Rosha. Remember, the most important chapter a man can read is the next one. We'll see you next week to dive into chapters 16 and 17. And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please share to leave us a review on whichever platform you listen on. If you have feedback, questions, or theories, span read us at lostinroshar at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on Lost and Roshar. Remember to keep that safe hand covered. <laughs>